1: Legends and welcome to the Thursday session by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is Willie. How are you, Willie?
2: Yeah, I'm doing all right. Busy week at work. I've been sort of focused in on that. So been like I say, a busy, busy, busy man. So
1: fair enough. Well, uh, who's we'll trying to take up too much here? Busy, busy time, mate. <laughs> uh, I kind
2: of got lost in my thoughts as so I was like, what am I saying here?
1: <laughs> I thought the I thought the uh the the stream lagged at one point because you go going right. like it was like watching bit, some old monkey magic or something, know something know. like that. A
2: bit early to you know. get lost in my own thoughts, though.
1: but like. it's, it's getting late over there for you in New Zealand, though. Yeah, so it's yeah, nine thirty yeah. at night over there. So, um, it's good enough reason. But we'll, uh, we'll yep. crack on, Willie. Really. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate it as usual. Um, yeah, we're we're going to talk about a Champions League game, which. Pretty forgetful as we are just talking about off air, Willie. So Nazi 02, Celtic nil in the Champions League. I'll go with the usual spiel that I'll do, so the starting lineup. And uh, then we'll go from there. So I think the talk that we had on the uh, pot noodle on Monday was, were well, we going to go a 3-5-2 or were we going to go a 4-3-3? Three, three? That was the main talking point. And then that would affect the starting lineup. So Rogers doubled down and went his usual 4-3-3. With Harding goals, Taylor Scales, Carter Vickers and Johnson in the back line, McGregor, O'Reilly and Bernardo in the middle. And then up front, James E. Forrest on the left, Yang on the right, and Kyogo through the middle. I think the two talking points with the lineup, if he went 4 3 3, would be would it be home or Bernardo? And would it be Forrest, Yang, or um, Mikey Johnson? Which of those two would be starting? So Willie, what was your thoughts when you saw the start, starting lineup?
2: I just thought they went with a tried and trusted formation that we've been playing all season. So I didn't really. There's no real complaints about the starting lineup. I mean, Bernardo's done all right when he's come in, in Europe, and he actually had a, a decent enough game for us um, yesterday. I thought too, like so. But we're seriously lacking in any sort of quality in the wide areas, and that was um, pretty evident, like as the game wore on. So. It may have been better to go to a three-five-two, but like I said, four-three-three is what we've been playing, so they've are kind of stuck with the tried and trusted.
1: Yeah, well, you're saying we're struggling in the um in the wide area well. So we're gonna I'll go on a little tangent here. A bench, talking about struggling in depth. You have a look at it. Turnbull, O, Mikey Johnson. Those are the three guys that came off the bench. Off the bench came the guy the goal scorers in mobile and they had Pedro come off the bench. So that's showing levels here. Now, on top of that, the rest of our bench had Bagabelka, Phillips, Home, Bain, Morrison, Elston, Welsh, and Frame. So you had five defenders on the bench out of ten players. I think it was. Yeah, it um, wasn't great. Great to
2: see, was it? You know what I mean when you're you're. You kind of looking to change things up a bit. You look at the bench and you see that, and you think, um, okay, there's not much I can change up here. Like just injury ravaged at the moment, was leaving us pretty short.
1: Yep, and at the start of the season, all the injuries were at the back line. At the moment, they're all pretty much seem to be in the wingers. So
2: yeah,
1: yeah it's been a bit of a, been a bit of a doozy on that front. So if, we've rattled them off the top of our heads, Willie. How about we go one for one and who we're missing? So I'll start with Abada on the wings. Who you got? Meeda. And then I've got jeez, ah, I'm got, I'm losing already. I'm gonna say Tilio didn't play because he wasn't qualified and he's been injured sure. all season. There you go, it's a cheats way out. Palmer was suspended. Yep. So you okay, go there's four guys who would probably start over. Well, Tilio probably not, but the other three would definitely all start over the top of the guys who did start last night on the wings for us. So yeah it's just a bit of a you know tough situation i was gonna i was gonna say shit show, but I was just waiting for it to tick over the five minute mark so the show doesn't get demonetized <laughs> so it was like four minutes fifty eight seconds yep hold off three more seconds and then say it so it was a bit of a bit of a doozy there but yeah the starting line up was was a bit of an interesting one. We've got some comments here from a few guys as well, so we'll bring them up and um go from there so John Clements, will miss the live show. Here's my tuppence worth. Neither the Lazio final to Champions League level. With our best players available and better summer signs, we could have easily be through. 100% agree with you on that, and we'll touch on the better signings and stuff later on in the pod, but spot on, and a lot of Celtic fans are saying the same thing. Robert Gibson was right or wrong. I picked the score on one of 20. There's silver linings for you there. Andrew Galea, Kyogo was so isolated. No cohesion moving, moving the ball in the final third. Why play Bernardo when he doesn't play in the league? Don't know. Robert Gibson again. We would have been better off to buy Champions League instead of SPFL level. O did well when he came on. Where was Awada? And is also saying we shouldn't have played wingers. Yeah, we should have gone the 3-5-2 the if our wingers are as bad as our and we have, you know... We have five defenders on the bench plus the four on the pitch. you got nine defenders available. Why not play a 3-5-2, three centre-backs, two wing-backs? Wing like, I know we haven't played or practised it, so yeah, it'll be an interesting one. But I want to get your overall thoughts on the performance, Willie.
2: Yeah, the performance, it's um, another game where we seem to shoot ourselves in the foot. We played okay in a very drab game for about 80 minutes and then capitulated um, the substitution of Bernardo was the turning point for me, I thought he he did alright in midfield and I thought that Granduzzi found a little bit extra room after Bernardo was taken off the pitch and all was put on I thought Kyogo was starred of any sort of decent service all night and he was looking for the ball all over the pitch, he just couldn't get anything to come to him Yang and Forrest were largely anonymous for the whole game, it was just Overall, a bland game of football. It was um, slow, it was ponderous, there was a lot of horseshoe style playing around. It was a really, really poor Lazio side that we should really have taken four points over the two games, a minimum of four points over the two games. But it's another prime example of the board thinking that we only need to be one step ahead of Rangers. We just lacked any sort of cutting edge in that team yesterday. It was
1: really, really evident this time, round. Yeah, on that Willie, you're talking about just horseshoeing it around and everything. So I want to bring up something from the two Lazio games. You said four points. Last one we lost two two one with a late a late goal in the last ten minutes. Mobile scored there. And then he comes on, scores two in the last ten minutes again this time. So that's been a massive difference. But looking at the game. And the stats, this is what surprised me. I didn't realize there was much here, but Lazio had 22 shots to four, to seven. They had only five of them were on target. Four of our seven were on target. But the possession stats, we had 600 passes to their 496. So we had 55% possession. A pass accuracy was 87%. So on the stats, when you're looking at it, I'm going, oh, okay. It doesn't look as bad here but we lost the game and it was a waste of a another wasted performance in europe the one i found funny though was we had 9 fouls for the game and four of them were cut yellow cards they had 14 for 3 so yeah just a bit of a funny one for me i just thought it was a bit of a bit of a strange one looking at the stats didn't quite match up to the eye test from when i was watching the game and the emotions in it and everything like that
2: no, I didn't. I mean, the, the, is it the dark arts? I don't think they were that bad as bad as what Atletico were either, just looking for it the whole time. It was just, I don't think the ref had a great game either, to be particularly honest. Like, and he booked, I think it was Johnson he booked in sort of 35 minutes, he booked him, and it's just like, oh, well, he's got the ball. What, what, What is the foul in this? Like, so I don't think the referee had a great game. I
1: don't think any of the referees we've had in Europe so far, this, this, had a good game. Let's be honest. Like yeah. The first game over at Nord, there you go. Incidents galore. The second one at home against Lazio, there was a couple of shoddy calls there that I didn't really agree with. Then the two against Atletico Madrid, maybe the ref in – no, as I said, the one in the home game against Atletico was probably the best of the lot, but then even he fell for a lot of their their absolute rubbish, you know, grabbing the ground rolling trying to milk fouls and all that sort of stuff over in Madrid. It's terrible ref. And then, yeah, this one was just as bad, but I'm not making excuses. So you you've got to, we've got to be better. It's got nothing to do with the refs, the results and how the lack of results we've had this, this group stage, but no one now luck, Willie, what's going to happen is we're going to play fine or they're going to rest a bunch of players potentially. And we're gonna we're gonna thump them and they will to be like, Oh, we picked up four points. It's progress over last year in Europe. So we'll be two points last year. Yeah, two
2: two draws. I actually think that Lazio side were worse than the Shark net side from last season, like, and that's why I think we should have had at least four points off them. Shark net So you could say we should have had at least four points off of them too, like, but it's ah, it's it's not good viewing when you see it and all the stats that are there and possession and passes and that and then you just look at the results you've had it's not great like I mean some of the performances have been okay the one against Madrid the way was absolutely shocking but the home draw against Madrid was a good result couldn't hold out against Lazio at home and then there was a way defeat in in Rotterdam like it's just it's not been a great campaign for us this season again I'm afraid
1: yep 100% and it's I just look at it and just shake my head going. We come in and we go, if we can pick up points at in these games at home against Lazio and Feyenoord, then we're a chance to go through. If we can go to Lazio and get do that, like, all this if and all the hope and everything, and you think, oh, yeah, our team has been good last year. We've won a treble. Brendan Rodgers is here. We brought in some players. Oh, yeah, I think there's been a bit of turnover on paper, we look weaker, but you know we'll be okay. And then, but Bill, you get dished up this yeah. steaming pile of, of absolute poo. It's um, yeah, it's just disappointing. All things considered, it's, but
2: eighty five minutes in a lot of these games, you're in it and you're playing well, or you don't play well, but you're playing okay. And you you think, oh, this is doing, we're doing all right. And then there's just that five ten minutes of concentration lapses, and it's like, all right, okay.
1: Here's why we don't get that many points, isn't it? I look at it, Willie, and go, um, the way I'm feeling at the moment after the last couple of games in this and the, the, the style of football we've dished up and the lack of any cutting edge and missing so many chances, I'm starting to get that feeling, and someone said it in a group chat that i mean, I can't remember who it was, and I'm agreeing with them 100%, and whoever you are, I'm thieving your line here, but I'm feeling like, now I understand why in the league a lot of clubs don't bring massive away fans to Celtic Park because they know they're going to be up against it and trying to win and after these yeah. last few performances in the Champions League, I'm starting to feel that way. It's like if I didn't have to talk about if we didn't have to talk about it on this pod tonight I wouldn't have watched the game honestly that's how I'm feeling at the moment. I would have watched the replay the highlights whatever, but I wouldn't have got up at 4: 30 in the morning to watch the game. it's just that's the brutal stuff um so for me it's just one of them where i'm just just frustrated and as michael ross is saying hail hail my fellow fed up salts yes that is the best way to sum it up Gibson is saying, we're the chocolate-coated bunny in the Champions League. Everyone beats Celtic. It's frustrating.
2: It is. Um, it's, it's frustrating and you look at some of the other teams around us, like Copenhagen, some of our peer groups, they're there and there. They're taking points of Man United and Gal- Galatasaray and teams like that. And we're probably spending more money and spending more on wages than they are and yet they're getting better results. It's things like that just sort of make
1: it even worse. Yeah, it's the one I was going to touch on. I was going to say, how can we not? How can we get this level of result? But then you got your Galatasaray-Man United game, which is just so open and everything. How are you getting? Yeah. And then you got Copenhagen, as you've touched on, Mickey Moynihan in the comments. It's the hope that kills you a hundred percent. It's like we get to that 80, 85th minute, and then it happens again. And you're just like, come on. It's just frustrating. We we should be doing better. And there's lots of different things you can – there's lots of ways you can point the finger. The support shows up. The f- like, The So it, it can't just be us, but maybe it's our expectations. I'm just – because we're not used to winning in the league. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of things here, and I'm probably going to cop some shit for this, but – Maybe it's us as a fan group, our expectations, because we expect to win every game. You see Celtic go out in Europe at a higher level, and we automatically just default positions, Oh, we expect to win. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's the management team. Maybe it's the recruiting. Maybe it's the players on the pitch not being of the standard. Maybe it's the injuries we've gone through. Maybe it's the refereeing. There's a whole bunch of different things here it could be. So... I'm just rattling off a whole bunch of different things that it could be. Uh, above all else, it's a combination of everything.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if we had our first choice wingers playing there last night, I think we could have been able to get in behind them. But the fact that we're playing with our fourth and fifth choices, it's it, it showed. You know what I mean? Young, young went into hiding most of that game and Forrest was just a non-event from start to finish. I mean, the most notable thing Forrest did was getting subbed, to be honest. It's, um, it was really poor in the wide areas. And, I mean, players like Johnson suffers when he's not, when he's got somebody in front of him who's hiding, He his out ball isn't as good as his overall performance, because he's penned in then because the guy in front of him is hiding. And then you look at Kyogo, he's just starved any service. He's He's, drifting out wide in both areas, trying to pick up the ball. He's on the edge, corners of the boxes, trying to get in from there. And aye, Just no service at all. And if he can't get service to Kyogo, he's not going to score goals. You've seen that over the last two games. If he's not going to get fed the ball, he's not going to score goals. And He'll start drifting that's, all over the pitch looking for it. Like.
1: And that's the sort of game there, Willie, where you know, a couple of years ago we would have been, okay, if we know it's a game where we're going to get pinned in and we're not going to get a lot of service to Kyogo, then that's where we'd be like, okay, let's start Jacka in the middle, and let's have the big battering round up there who gives us an out ball yeah. that we can play it to, and then guys can play off that.
2: Yeah.
1: So in that situation, should we have been playing O, or should we have gone to that three five two we're saying with O with Kyogo playing off him to give us that out ball? Maybe, but you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. There's a
2: lot of pressure to be putting on O's shoulders. I mean, he's barely getting a start in the SPL and he's barely getting a goal in the SPL. To expect him to go out in the Champions League and start scoring goals and that, it, it's a big step up. You can see it with young. I mean, he's starting to get a couple of good performances here and there in the SPL, but in, in uh, um, into the game yesterday, he was like a rabbit in the headlights at times. He was just like all at sea and you could quite clearly see he was a bit out of his depth of so, it might be a bit unfair throwing O in there, expecting him to work wonders when he's not really getting a chance at a domestic level.
1: Yep. And Robert's agreeing with you there, Willie. He? was oh, not Champions League quality, barely SPFL level. Yep. Listen, I, I said it before. Like, Rogers
2: took O on for Bernardo, and you can see what he was thinking, right? Like, we have to win this game. If not, we're out of Europe altogether. And he's gone with two up top. But as soon as. Um, as soon as we took Bernardo off, that boy, big side Joe Bob, what was his name? Gwendoosie. Gwen doozy He started to get a bit more freedom in the part and started to be able to work the ball about a bit more and that's where it cost us. Like, So I think the substitution happened in the 71st minute and then within 10 minutes they were two goals to the good. Yep. So.
1: Yeah, it's just frustrating overall. I get what you're all saying there in the comments and everything as well. So I just want to you went through the players already, Willie. I don't really think we need to focus too much on him here. I think I was touching on the wingers. Yeah, Yang, he was like a missing shirt out there. Yeah. Um I think maybe his overall, not quite at that level. He's one that this time next year will be better for it. But I don't think he's um I don't think he's at the at the standard just yet. And then you have on the other side, James, you've been a great servant to us, but Yeah, I don't really think that he's definitely not the he can do the job for us if we need to in the league, but not in Europe anymore. So yeah, yeah, we've got to get that whole winger situation. But honestly, I'm gonna just I'm gonna try and turn it from a post mortem, you know, being all sort of negative to if you look at that lineup that we played with that possession stats and you had say Kyoga in the middle, Mater on the left, Abada on the right, would it have been any better, Willie? I think it would have been I think we would have been like I say. I
2: think we would have been able to get in behind them because I think the fullbacks their fullbacks were there to be had got at like but because we are well we have one winger on the right who's going missing and the guy on the left who's just too old to be playing at that level I'm, I'm going to be quite blunt about it like then we couldn't do it we couldn't attack them we couldn't get we couldn't pin them into their own half and it just didn't work Whereas if you had the raw pace of Maeda and Abada on either wing, then their full-backs aren't going to try and step forward as much as what they were going to do. So, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, if we had our natural wingers with our first-choice natural wingers out there, I think it could have been a different outcome on the night.
1: Yeah, and I'll just look at it and go, the directness from those wingers as well, getting in behind, yeah. would have maybe opened up the middle of the park a bit more for us too because, you know, then you... You can go to carry you can get it wide. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of stuff there. We had some good comments coming in, guys. Keep them coming as well. We'll get to a bunch of these comments when we're talking about the transfer stuff later on in the show. Yep. And Andrew Galea, the possession was all in our half. The Wings kept passing it back. It's a bloody recycling that we do. Just, you know, it's good for the environment, not good for our, you know, us as a football team. Just to get it moving. So, Last couple of things I wanted to talk about the game, and they're not really football-related on the pitch. The banners from the, the Nazio fans, absolute wankers. There's no place for that. I hope they cop a nice big fine. That's all I've got to say on that. If we get fined for what's happened at Celtic Park this season, then they need to be copping an absolute pasting with the stuff they put up there. Yeah. And the other thing was the main one for me is the fan access to the stadium. I don't know if, what you've seen on that, Willie. But... i just
2: seen that some of the players are a little late. At, um, players, Some of the fans were a little late at getting to the ground and they never went yeah, little... into the second half. Yeah, a little turned late. Out, yeah, they were a little bit late getting there, but they weren't allowed into the second half, which is pretty bad. What's the point in like, flying all the way over to Italy just to get 45 minutes of football rather than 90? But there's so also base... the... the
1: no, uh, carry on. Uh, so basically what I've heard from someone who was there is they they got there the two hours before, like they're all told. They barely moved for an hour outside before pregame. They all got basically in the area. In an hour pregame, they were allowed to start moving in and go through, and every single person was having to take off their shoes to be checked for any flares or whatever. And even the person, one of the people I know who was there, handbags, tipped them all out into a garbage bag, checked for everything, checked the lining of the handbag for flares, the works, everything back in, and then they wandered down and then allowed to go through. So if they're being that thorough, holding them basically in a, in a waiting area for an hour, then checking every single person for that long, no wonder some people got got in just before the game, like that one I'm talking about, got in just before the game, like five minutes before kickoff, Others didn't get in until random points in the first half. Majority of the fans got into the away bay in the, at the start at half time, but there were some people who travelled all that way and were held up in lines that long that they didn't even get into the game. No. That's that's piss The amount of money that's being spent, and the thing that frustrates me is you think you'd have a supporter liaison officer that the club would appoint for these away games. That if something like this was happened or happening. They could talk to Lazio's supporter liaison officer and make it actually work so that people get in because they're paying all this money to go to travel over to Italy, accommodation, flights, tickets to the game, to then go and watch barely half a game of football, some of them. That's just pathetic.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not great.
2: I mean, you watch the Lazio fans. I mean, they've obviously managed to get their flares in because they were throwing them into the Celtic supporters, lighting them up and throwing them in at the Celtic supporters. There's videos that all over Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, which is absolutely disgusting. And I hope um, we get fined heavily every time we let off a flare safely in the stands, whether it's legal or not. But they're actually throwing them at supporters. So I hope um, UEFA are watching and hope UEFA will be acting on this because it's, it's absolutely disgusting in the way that happened.
1: The, the last thing I wanted to touch on as well, Willie, about the whole talking about the support of liaison thing, right? The reason I brought that up is because how do you get your tickets to away games in Europe? You go into the ballot, right? And usually you've got to buy your away tickets. And if you say so those people, same people I'm talking about getting in, were saying after the game, they got held for another hour after the game on the stairwell until they were released out after after the game. Now, there's a lot of people that frustrated because of all the money that they'd spent and time and all this, and they barely got to see any football. Like, why bother? I'm not gonna probably not going to do this anymore and travel to the away games. But then say if you wanted to do like a sort of protest to the club or whatever saying, yeah, we're not going to do it. The problem is if you miss one game, these people, you lose your spot in the ballot and you're back to square one for away games, cup finals or work. So basically the club's gotten by the short and curlies and – you know, if you want to tell a club, get stuffed until you're going to look after us. You won't get tickets to an away European game for four or five years now. Yeah, so, and there'll be
2: somebody. Somebody else will automatically just step up and take your ticket. So,
1: not really care hmm. about it. Like, hey, I'm on the road and yeah. way days. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a bit of a shit situation. So hopefully the club does something about that as well, and can do. Can, you know? We've got the big traveling fans so and support, so you've got to look after your fans, but, you know, they don't care. The money's in the bank. Here's just the customers. We'll have $100 million in the bank soon. So as RL77 saying, let's not be too down, lads. We'll have $100 million sitting in the bank, 100%. It's going to be there soon enough. So, yeah, yeah I just wanted to touch on that as well because I thought it was a little bit of a uh, crappy situation. So, Willie. I'm going to ask you, how big is the transition job in front of us for us to retool our team so we can win the league and make an impact in Europe next season? reason I'm asking you that is because Brendan Rodgers has called for more first-team ready quality in the next transfer window. So I want to get your your thoughts on how big a job there is to get to that level. And then we'll go into, then we'll just discuss off the back of that our summer signings. Who sanctioned him and so on from there? So, yeah. What's your thoughts, Willie?
2: I think it's a fairly sizable transition period we're going through. For me, there's at least 10 players that need to be chopped off that squad. I think Rogers knows that himself. He would like to go down to 22. Um, I think we're getting a little bit lucky that the Rangers squad is so poor that every time we slip up, they slip up. And they're they, we've left the bar door open for them a couple of times now, and they're not really wanting to step through it. So, we've gotten away with that, so January's coming, and the quicker January comes, the better, because like I said, you're going to have to at least, chop 10 players off that squad, I've got a list of players there, who I would chop straight away, but of course, so we'll
1: go through that in a minute,
2: yeah, so like goalkeeping, we need another striker, we need another left back, but we need to get 10 players off the books, and then one into that three position. one for each of those three positions, is a must, like, um, but if we are to give Brendan Rodgers a fighting chance in Europe next season, we need to back him, and it needs to be quality over quantity. They can't go out and saying, "Right, we've got rid of ten; let's get another ten cheap buys." And we need to but we need to actually give him some quality to work with. None of this project signings. None of this um, has been or never will
0: be. Like, please just get proper players in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: I'm going to bring up Robert Gibson's comment here. As a lifelong Tim, I'm incredibly excited by our outstanding fiscal policy. I can just sense the sarcasm all over that comment. Yeah. <laughs> and then Michael Ross is saying, buy Copenhagen. That'd work <laughs> by the whole lineup. We've got enough money to do it almost. So, yeah, I'm looking at it, Willie, and going, I've said it numerous times, I like the production line for us to have in players. So we need to have a starting quality player, European level and every position for me. And then we need to have a young backup who is a year or two away being developed, uh, challenging them for their spot, learning from them, challenging from them to take that spot as we progress. So that if you sell that player after the two, three year sort of time frame most players have at the club, you've got a ready-made replacement to step in. And then the backup behind them. So that's, that's how you make your 22 and then your backups behind them are your youth players coming through from the B team that's what I'd love to see ideally to get to that yeah we're going to have to let go of about 10 players and then you're saying there's three main positions i think it's worse than that i think it's i think it's we need 5 5 to 7 starting players before we hit the champions league next year that's being realistic because players are going to come to yeah. the end of their of their tether and some players are going to want to move on and then you're going to need to replace them plus what we already need to do. So I'm thinking yeah. not just now for the January window, what we need to do. For there, it's probably three starting quality players. But then come the summer, it's going to be the same. We need the same three starting quality players brought in again. And I mean, starting European starting quality players in the 8 to 10 million pound range. We're going to need that brought in again in, in the summer in the summer window, if that makes sense. And then if we have any sales, then we need to, you know, speculate to accumulate more money coming for them than buy their life-for-life life replacements. That's what we yeah. need to do to get to that level. I think that's what Brendan wants with his more first-team-ready thing. So that's what I'm thinking we need to do. Do you want to go through your list of who needs to be culled? Me?
2: Or do you want to go through it position area by area? Because to
1: Actually, Willie, what we'll do is we'll talk about the summer signings first and yep. who we actually think sanctioned them. I want to ask you, are we back to the Law Biscuit tin? And then we'll talk about the squad.
2: Are so we back you- to... Um, yeah, I would say we are back to that sort of Biscuit tin mentality. You look at what's come in over the summer. you got Bernardo, Nate Phillips, Tom Kiawata, Kwan, Telio, Yang, Holm, Bielka, Palma and Navrochki. I mean, Navrotsky looked okay when he came in. I think he'll do all right. Lewis Palma as well is pretty good. But the rest of them might I know you guys like Marco Tilio, and he looked okay for his wee cameo role he had at the weekend, but Judy's still out in him. Whereas the rest of them are yeah, they're not great. The, they're not bad players, but they're not they're not the sort of player that's going to take us to the next level. Bernardo has shown fits and starts so he, he can play decent. But then he drifts out of the of the March day squads. Um Holmes shown when he comes off the bench, he looks okay. And then when he gets a start, he he gets hooked at half time. Lager Bielka he did okay for us when he came in, and now he's just sort of vanished off the radar altogether. Nat Phillips will go back to Liverpool in January. Thanks for your services. See you later. Tom Kewa, I, I don't know what he's done to Brendan Rogers. I think he's a decent enough lead player, but Brendan Rogers doesn't obviously fancy him. Quan, well, he's just a forgotten man now, and he just nobody knows where he is. I think him and um, him and McCarthy are flat sharing somewhere, and they're just their sat nav doesn't work, and they don't know how to get the training pitch or something because neither of them are anywhere to be near close to it. Like you know what I mean?
1: Same deal with Burnaby. There you go. They're all uh, the you know, in a bed, one bedroom apartment. Sleeping bags on the floor, yeah, but yeah, you got any more to add to that, Willie, or you pretty much ticked them all off? There, I think we've ticked them all off, right? yeah, yeah. So, for me, talking about the evolution of the squad, I, I think Rogers in the AGM said he's got the final say on all recruitment, right? That's what he said. So, it's a good for a sound bite. I don't actually think that's true for what came in in the summer because if we're being honest as if Rogers has come in and he's already scouted each and every one of these players for months and months and months on end when he'd been at pre-planning going down the road of the recruitment and what they wanted to do before he left there and ended up back up the road with us. So I'm not putting all of this on Rogers but him in that chair would have been like, yep, okay, yep, okay, which is him saying, yeah, here's the final say. He would have been nodding his head and agreeing to it. Yeah. So he does have some of the blame, but then who is it that's making the call on which players were scouting, which markets were scouting? Because I'm looking at it going, and there's there's stuff here. So there was an article in The Athletic about uh, Mark Lawwell when he came up from city and basically what they're saying is that he was, he was pants as a player analysis, but they found a niche for him. He's got the position because he's good with people. He was not particularly outstanding with the data and video aspects of his initial role as a recruitment analyst, but he had a knack for building relationships with contacts and understanding different markets worldwide. So that's what he was doing in, in basically the city group, he was, you know, building a network, which is going to take time. And, you know, developing relationships with scouts in different countries. So if that's what he was good at, that's great. But in the meantime, what are we doing here? Are we just going to the well of players that we already know? Because to me, it just seems like it seems to be hit and miss over the off-season.
2: I don't know. I mean, it seems to be the Lowell's... Names that's all over these signings. It's uh, just, do yeah. this. These aren't Brendan Rodgers types of players. They aren't Brendan. They. I can't understand how Brendan Rodgers would sign off on some of these. Like, I really can't. Like Quan, not his style of player. Um, Iwata probably isn't his style of player either. Like, it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I kind of thought, well, Brendan's probably thought we were, we're way down the road with these ones they're they're not going to cost too much we'll, we can we can spend the money to get them in and we'll have a look at them when they're here but here's a list of bigger signings we're looking for and we just didn't get enough time to get them over the line um, I'm kind of hoping that's the situation where it is but I, I really starting to think that, that was just wishful thinking on my behalf at the moment Like because when he, Roger says he gave his final say in all these signings I'm starting to think that's just a script he's been given prior to heading out to the AGM like because it seems to be the exact same thing that um, Anne said the season before, so I don't know. It did something doesn't add up with it all at the moment, like and I think it's just trying to save money here and there by the levels by the look of it, like and it might just be, might just be the sort of mood I'm feeling after another defeat. Like we had a draw at the weekend and then a defeat in in, in Italy, and it just doesn't leave the mood very good with the team at the moment. And then you straight away you look at who. Who do you blame? And it's the board that's getting it, like, because they deserve they do get it, like they deservedly they are getting it because it's them. Um, it's a buck stock for them this season, I'm um, afraid.
1: And this is something that I've where I've said in the past, I would love a, a sporting director or director of football to come in and oversee everything. So they oversee the first team manager, they oversee the academy, they oversee the whole recruitment team. And that person, like the perfect example would be. Michael Zork at Dortmund, for instance, where he oversees Ed Jürgen Klopp. He moved on. They bring in the next man. It was Thomas Tuchel or something like that. And then he moves and they already got the next guy identified to come in and take on. And they lose a scout to Sven Mislundstad or whatever was their lead scout. left. They lost him to Arsenal. Didn't miss a beat. On they went. So they're always forward planning, not just with the players, but the overall club. I think that's what we need. That's the only way for us to grow and, and jump forward. But, yeah, it's going to be a bit of an interesting one. So i look at it and go, I don't think the standard of player that has come in so far is what Rogers was promised or told he'd be getting. And if it doesn't happen for him in, say, in this January window, if we're not getting in those three, at least three first-team quality players ready to bet in for Champions League next year... I think Rogers will stage manage his exit in a better way than he did last time, and he won't be here next year. I don't think he'll tolerate it. So it's just yeah. And,
2: do you know what? If he leaves again at the end of the season, uh, I wouldn't blame him. There wouldn't be any sour grapes like there was last time when he left. Like with me, it would be like, do you know what? I don't blame you this time. Like you know, I mean, you've come back to the exact same situation you left. You left because of this reason, and I, you wouldn't be able to blame him, would you? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, let's just say, Willie, I wouldn't be throwing my book this time around and dinting. No, nah. like just... no, nah, there would be no rat emojis all over my
1: Facebook page. <laughs> it
2: would be <laughs> like, you know, know what? see you later, mate. Like, all the best.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you're talking about evolving the squad, right? And yeah. I'm going to go on this little tangent. So, we're talking about who, you know, what squad changes we'd make in January. When you said that, you pretty much rattled off everyone that I was thinking would want to would probably move on. So I'm like, who do we look to sell? You've already touched on that, Willie. Who do you think will want to move on? Now, the one player that I think would potentially want to move on would maybe be Turnbull. There's been talk in the media last few days of a seven or eight million pound offer for him to go to AC Milan. I've seen people online saying if that bid comes through, they'd drive into the airport. So i look at that and go, I don't think AC Milan would pay you seven million pounds for a guy who's out of contract at the end of the season, just so they can get him a few months early. They'd probably offer us two, three million. If we could get the three and a half we paid for him back then, or three point two five or whatever it was, then that's probably the best case scenario for us. But yeah, I think it's a bit of an interesting one. What's your thoughts on that, Willie?
2: Uh, David Turnbull, my list there is in front of me and David Turnbull is on that list. I just He goes missing in games. He he can take a shot from outside the box. He can hit a dead ball. He can hit a penalty. But when the going gets tough, David Turnbull quite often goes missing. So for me, I, I wouldn't be interested in giving him a new contract. He hasn't shown me enough to say that he is going to be a combative midfielder that we would need. It's all right, um. Patrolling outside the box, looking for second balls so to latch onto and hit. Like, but when you need to dig in and start defending and doing a bit of work in the middle of the park, David Turnbull quite quite often goes missing. Like, and I've, I've noticed that a lot with him. Like, so I like think the Aberdeen game early on in the season like, he just straight away was hooked at half-time. The, the going was getting tough in there, and he he went missing quite quickly. Like, so yeah, he's on my list of people I would um, call.
1: Fair enough. Well, what well, I would agree with you on there, Willie. So what I want to do now is I want to go into talking about our squad evolution. So we're talking about who we should leave, who we should keep um, and go from there. James Floyd was saying, if it's this style of play, I, is, is I'd keep him talking about uh, Turnbull. I hope it's not this style of play. We need to speed it up. We've gone from playing like you know, Ferrari football to be in a little forward focus at the moment, the pace we're playing at, it's just ridiculous. Chris Commons could get a run in this sort of pace at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, so what I'm going to say with the evolution, right, so this is how I measure the evolution for our club going forward for Champions League style of football, Willie, okay? The way I want to measure the improvement is that our best player today Will be eventually become our weakest player in the squad, in the starting lineup. So, realistically, say Kyogo is our best player at the moment. I want us to recruit over the next few windows first team ready players so that Kyogo hasn't become worse. His teammate quality is better through our recruiting by bringing in those first team ready players for Europe. That's what. That's what I'm thinking is the best way to look at it from an evolution perspective, rather than us going, oh, yeah, we've got Kyogo. Let's try and recruit. Like we see it online all the time. Oh, let's recruit a – who'd want to come here to be a third-team striker, a third-string striker? Why are we talking about recruiting a third-string striker? Why aren't we talking about trying to bring in someone to challenge Kyogo for the starting berth? And that in turn means Kyogo and the new guy are battling for the starting jersey and O suddenly becomes your third-string striker with a bit less pressure and time to develop. That's better long-term. If we do the same in the middle of the park and bring in a good quality number six to challenge Calmac, then he has to either raise his game or start playing in the eight, which in turn does that sort of thing, and so on throughout the whole squad. That's how I think we need to evolve. What are your thoughts on that, Willie? Willie?
2: Nah, no, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, football is an ever changing business and if you like we've seen if you, if you stand still you stagnate and you don't progress and that's that's basically what's happened to the Celtic squad. We haven't we haven't um strengthened where we needed to strengthen, we haven't put pressure on players who were playing well. We've just let them sort of carry on, like you know, it's like Keogel's got nobody there. We we believe Keogh was the best striker in Scotland, which he is, but we never really signed anyone to put pressure on him to try and see if we make him better. Can he raise his level to make sure that the competition we take in is not going to get his place? So, um, yeah, I I can't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, we've got a 32-man first-team squad. I mean, that's 10 too many. We've got a top-heavy midfield. Okay, the wingers, we're we're out of wingers at the moment, but even in centre midfield, we're top-heavy in there, we're top-heavy in centre-halves. It's just it's a seriously bloated squad we have, which it doesn't make sense to have... Some of these players, like Burnaby, what's he doing? Why do we even have him anymore? Like, you know, I mean, he, he's not even going to get in the team. Comes on for like seven minutes against St. Mid and here or there. That's it. Kobayashi, his time's up. Um, I would say Stephen Welsh as well in defence. He's another one who's probably never going to get another really serious look at any action in the first team. And for me, Greg Taylor, I wouldn't have him anywhere near the first team either. I would I would actually throw Mitchell Frame in there now. I'm all but done with Greg Taylor. I don't think he's selling quality. He doesn't suit Brendan Rogers' style of football either. Like so um yeah. We really we need, like I say, we need to we need to trim the squad and we need to get in quality. And then when January comes around, we need three we need a goalkeeper, we need a left back, and we need a striker desperately. And that's three musts we must get in for January. And then we take it from there and go back to go back to the drawing board and see where we can strengthen and see, see where we can then um, add to the squad come the, the, the close season.
1: I'm going to give you some thinking time here, Willie. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, think of your strongest starting 11 when everyone is fit at the club, right? I don't need you to say it just yet. And I want you to pick which of those players you are confident a Champions League standard players. Like if they not necessarily elite level guys, if they are with another club, or whatever, but if they're at Champions League level in the right side, that they'd be able to handle that level. No problem. So have a think about that. I'm going to bring through up some of the comments here. Give you some thinking time and then we'll go through that
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: So that'll tell us about the recruitment. Like where I said earlier, we need probably three now, three, three in January. Sorry, three in January, three in the summer. Let's give you a bit of thinking time for that. So, I'm just going to bring up some comments here. So, Michael Ross was, if I was a wider, I'd be handing a transfer request. Michael's also said, I'd rather have Steve Clark as manager. He would make us hard to beat. That's one step away from Lenny. Uh, Mahesh was saying, Celtic outspent Copenhagen by two and a half times in the last transfer window 22 million to 18. Don't think Celtic have got value for money. Porkchop saying, never mind Brendan Rogers type of players. These players aren't Celtic type of players. So I'm just bringing them through. Michael Ross, it boils down to one thing. These board is stale and we need new blood, fresh ideas. The problem with the board talk is a lot of the guys on the board own shares in the club, so it's going to be hard to move them out. That's one thing that I hadn't even realised until today. RL77, currently recruitment isn't looking for experience. Maestro, everyone said Maeda was not a Brendan Rogers type of player before the season kicked off. And who does the recruitment? Are they football people? So there's a whole bunch of different varying opinions there. You've had some thinking time now, Willie. So yeah. do you want me to go first or do you want to go with your, at our strongest starting 11?
2: Our strongest starting 11, I would have four of them who would be Champions League quality.
1: I have I have
2: five. Okay. So I could I have one who's kind of on the edge, but performances yeah. this season have kind of pushed him a little bit to the side for me.
1: So for me, I've got Hart and goals, Alistair Johnson, Greg Taylor as your fullbacks, Carter Vickers and Scales as your centre back pairing, because we don't know enough about Rocky, Roski or Laga Belka. any of these other guys, we know Welsh isn't. So those two, it's centre back pairing. Then midfield is McGregor, Hatate, O'Reilly. And then up front, your starting 11 is going to be Kyogo in the middle, Mater on one wing, and either Palmer or Barter on the other. I put those two at the same level. So going through that, for me, I'd say Carter Vickers is starting level, is Champions League level. McGregor. Is the one I've got a question mark on at the moment. His form has been patchy this season, but he's done it in the past. He's proved himself in the Champions League. Hatade was one that I had ticked, but also had a question mark. So I've combined them two as one. O'Reilly and Kyogo are definitely Champions League level for me. What do you yeah. got, Willie?
2: I've got CCV, O'Reilly, Kyogo, and Palma. And I had a question mark over... Johnson, also oh, Johnson has form. His form this season hasn't been great. I forgot. I'll be honest. You, I forgot all about Rio Hotati. So, I would probably go with five as well because Rio Tati can do it in that level. But he, again, that that tick is sort of like Johnson. His form this season in the tournament hasn't been sort of great. So, yeah. So yep. there's four, four and a half.
1: Yep. So realistically, that's where I'm saying we need that. that five to seven players, because if it's four, I was starting 11 of that level. This is how confronting it is. You're missing seven players. So realistically, like for me, Abada and Palmer, Palmer may develop into that player. Abada may develop into that player, but they're not at that level yet. Alistair Johnson, I didn't classify him as one straight away because I haven't seen him with a consistent wing partner in front of him to build that partnership this season. Last yeah. year he had that, and he looked up to the level. This year he hasn't had that, and he's been hit and miss. So there's reasons for all of that. So realistically, if we can get three in in this next transfer window, whether that's a left back, another a, another central midfielder, and a striker, if we can get that in now, Great. And then we look at in the summer, look to fill out the other, other spots in the in the squad while moving people on. Fine, we'll yeah. get there. That could be, you know, five players in, it could be, you know, five, six players in, get those ten players out, and your wage bill drops down further as well, so you can afford it all. So Yeah. It's a bit of a bit who, of a doozy. Who, who always on your cut list and on my cut list, you've pretty much said it already when you yeah. went through it.
2: I've got Hart, I've got Hart, Bain, Seagrist, Burnby, Taylor, Welsh, Kobayashi, McCarthy, Quan, Forrest, Mikey Johnson, Iriguchi, Turnbull, Awada, and Johnny Kenny.
1: The That's only my- one of them I would probably keep would be Awada if he's gonna get played. And if Rogers is, is still the boss this time next year, he'll be gone. If, yeah, so here's the one there. quan I would actually like to see him go out because Mahesh big ups him all the time in the comments about his stats and all this sort of stuff. I'd love to see Quan actually get a run at a, like whether it's we put him out on loan to our club, feed a team in Austria for a year and get him playing European football week in, week out. I, there's maybe a couple of guys, like maybe send him and send Kobayashi off to Austria for a year and see if, if that does anything for them, for <laughs> need to move them on, but the rest of what you said, Willie, yeah, pretty much need they pretty much done run their race.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like a what like I said there. I quite like a what I, you he's a decent player, but I just don't think Brendan Rogers fancies him, so I probably think that's why he'd be moved on. Like,
1: and as as uh, Michael Ross is saying, who's going to buy these players?
2: Well, that's the other thing. This is going to be another situation, like is Malsoro, where we're just going to end up paying half these guys their contracts to say, right, um, we need you to free up your wages, here's the rest of your contract, and we'll see you later, like, just to make room in the squad. It's it's just, it doesn't make sense. Like I said, it's, you go back in circles, some of these signings don't make sense. Quan McCarthy, Bernabe, you know what I mean? They're, they're all in decent enough money. They're going to end up paying their contracts up to say cheerio to them, it's yep. Exactly pointless at times. Four million for four and a half million for Bernabe. And now we're gonna pay him up and say a cheerio, you know what I mean? It's just
1: it just doesn't make sense. His whole contract doesn't make sense, Willie, really, because we paid what yeah. was it, three point seven five or four million for him or whatever it was. Yeah. But then he's on he's on eight eight thousand pounds a week. So he's on one of the low earners for our first team yeah. squad. Usually if you pay a big fee like that for the club, that'd be one of your higher earners, So that's just still. Yeah, really- you'd think he double
2: what he's on, but
1: no, he's not. Sad state of affairs when Stephen Welsh is on more than you. There you go. Um, now, just for a bit of a bit of a chuckle before we get into it. Actually, I'll keep that one for a different another pod. Yeah, we'll keep that topic. I was going to go through our recruitment. Uh, stuff-ups is the nicest way I can sum it up, over the last five seasons. So we'll talk about that more on a on a future pod. So, yeah, I'm just thinking there's a whole bunch of, of stuff going on here. Um, yeah, I think a few of the guys need to go out on loan to the guys over in Austria. Um, <laughs> Robert Gibson's comment. make <laughs> a week for being a uh, stop. <laughs> Uh, call of the night. So yeah, we're going to um, we'll, we'll quickly we'll just finish the pot off by talking about the Saint Johnson game on the weekend. Was was it Sunday midday kickoff over there? Eleven PM for us. What's that? One AM for you Monday morning?
2: Ah, uh, it's it's one of that ones where you're just in no man's land. If you get up, you're going to be an absolute zombie at work on Monday. Like and if you yeah. like, you're going to have to try and watch a game, you have to get up a bit earlier. Before to watch the game before you go to work too like so it's, it's, uh, you've got three options really yeah uh, we get I can't do, I can't do the I can't do the media blackouts. too. I? I need to know the score yeah. as it's happening I'll wake up like, if I'm not going to watch the game I'll still wake up at 20 past 1 and I'll be, like check the scores and that and see what's happening and then you don't
1: get back to sleep so be as well getting up to watch the game in really? Yeah, the, the three options are yeah you do you you don't watch it you wait till that not, Monday night and watch it then social media blackout, never works.
2: No. Nah. The
1: second option is you just leave it, you wake up a couple of hours earlier for work, sleep through the night, watch it while you're getting ready to go to work. Or the other option is get up at stupid o'clock and just being absolutely off your head the whole day, just gone. Depends yeah. what you do for a job and if you can get away with it.
2: <laughs> no, I can't at the moment, like, so I'll probably have to watch it before I go to work. But to uh, be up at four in the
1: morning to head off out at six Michael Ross says I hear Quan's allergic to square sausages <laughs> I found a place that sells them over here in Melbourne yeah. now I'm absolutely right There's a can you get a can... scotch pa- what's that can you get a scotch pie over there Like I'm
2: choking for a scotch pie at the moment I can't get them in. I love the money over here I like...
1: don't know Willie I'll check it out on Saturday I only uh... just found this place in my hometown where I grew up I'm like oh, okay Looky lucky. Yeah.
2: There's That's some again. good size of square sausage. I haven't heard of in for a while, actually.
1: it's going off in the comments here. Oh, yeah. Sausage chops and all that. Lamb chops, lovely. So we'll get to the game. Us against St. Johnson. How do you think it's going to play out, Willie? How do you think we'll perform after the game in Rome?
2: Yeah, It's going to be another t- long game. I have funny feeling that Craig Levine will shut up shop and put 11 men behind the ball. Um, we do know. We do know. No, in um, uh, um, paradise they seldom ventured out their own box, let alone their own half. So um, I'm really hoping we'll get an early goal, and they'll have to step out force them into the game. But uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be a hard. It's going to be a hard one to uh, call because Craig Levine is is very very pragmatic when it comes to playing against Celtic. So it could be another one of these games where it's just an ultra low block, and we're horseshoeing the ball around the box, trying to figure out an opening. This game's got
1: got O written all over it. Just get the big man in there to just yeah. clutter people and get you know get his head, get his big huge head onto some crosses. He does have a massive bounce. so get in, get I'm the um, looking at it, going, I, I forgot who their manager was. I knew they'd got someone who was played anti football, so yeah. Um, Levine, I would have rathered Neil Lennon get that job because if he's playing against us, he'd be like, oh, I want to go and score What's the goals? And prove a point, blah, blah, blah. And And you're banging six or seven. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I think we'll be okay. I think the question mark's going to be how we perform after the game in Rome. I think there's going to need to be some sort of uh, rotation. Like Guys like Colin McGregor, I would I'd rest him for this game, have him on the bench, but I wouldn't yeah. start him. And that's what I want to say. So I'm thinking we'd need to rest some players. And I want to give some other guys a chance to get a crack in the first team. And, you know, so realistically, Palmer will come back in on, on the left, because he's not suspended in the league here. Um Yang played like absolute crap the other day. So I'd put him back on the bench. And I'd be put, I'd be giving Tilio a run. We saw him for a couple of minutes in the the game. It's not the Aussie in me, it's who can play on the right wing that we have available. Yang can. Mikey Johnson's better on the left. Palmer's better on the left. So your options to play right wing are either Tilio, James E. Forrest, or Yang. They're your three options. So yeah, I'd be, um, and Forrest and Yang started, you know, during. The other day, so yeah, I'd, I'd be pushing Tilio for that spot there. So that will give him a chance to establish himself in the team. If he gets in there and plays well, what are you thinking, Willie?
2: I wouldn't mind seeing. I, I think we might see him come off the bench, like, but um, I have a funny feeling. I'll just go through my starting lineup. I've got Hart and Goals, Johnson, CCV, Scales, Taylor, Carmack in the centre midfield, O'Reilly and Bernardo. I think we'll just keep that same as what it was the other night and it'll be Young on the right he'll go through the middle and Palma on the left and I think Mikey Johnson will get a good chunk of play this time and he'll probably come on in the 60-minute mark if we're winning. So
1: yeah uh, the Rogers 60 minute mark subs. Yep. Yeah.
2: So I think Mikey Johnson will get half an hour and hopefully we'll see Tilio for half an hour as well. we will just yep. switch two wingers on switch the wingers around a bit.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I think we'll muck around with it. So yeah, I'm I'm not too fussed. Like what you've said there pretty much sums it up. Um the only one I'd I'd like to see Kelmac get a rest, because said on Monday, and uh play a wada, give him the whole 90 minutes just to get out there and show us what we've got as a midfield enforcer, especially before the window opens up. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Um and maybe start Owen oh, start a Kyogo. That's pretty much my my thoughts there. Uh what are you thinking for the uh score prediction, Willie?
2: I think we'll win 2-0. I think um I'm hoping we'll get an early goal, but I think it might be into the second half before we score, so two 0 on Kyogo for the opener and probably Palmer with the other.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at some comments here. So Andrew Galea said, Tilio was crap on the right for the Olympic team. But then Michael Ross is saying, to be fair, Tilio's has hardly kicked the ball in months. Porkchop expresses Tilio cannot be worse than what's playing now. Give him a chance to see what he's made of. Might need a few starts to settle in. I agree with you on that. What's <laughs> RL77 saying? Just play with four wingers. Levine will have a 6-4-0 a formation.
2: Yeah,
1: Sounds about right. And oh, false nine.
2: That was his Andrew argument Reed. on that one. Like.
1: <laughs> yep. Andrew Reid, a 90 a 95th plus minute pen, penalty for a shirt pull says, all right. Oh wait, wrong podcast. Well played, sir. Well played. Uh-huh. Yeah, for me, I'm thinking. I'm thinking one of two things. It's either gonna be we'll score early, then they'll have to come out a little bit, and then the game opens right up. So say if we and if that situation happens, we're looking at probably a 4 5 nil sort of thing, we'll absolutely pump them. Yeah. But that's like if we get a goal in the first, say, 10, 10 minutes or so, that'll actually force them to come play football. If that doesn't happen in the first 10 minutes, then we'll, um, yeah, then I can see it being a bit of a slog. You know, we'll probably just get, like what you said, Willie, the 2-1 bit later on in the game, and their one will come from a penalty. So it'll be a... Yeah, it's going to be a bit of doozy. I know it sounds like fence sitting there, but I'm thinking. We'll, I think we we'll would be right for a and We're going to get out there and just pump them. We we haven't been playing that well lately. We're we're overdue. I'm not calling my ten nil result that I've been saying on the pod for ages. It's not happening this season with the way we're playing. But a four four or five goal win would be a nice one. Yep. Um, yeah, I can't disagree. with that. I
2: mean, if we score early, I think we could quite easily go on and get four or five but I think I just have a funny feeling they're going to bunk, hunker down and just sort of dig in and it's going to take I think we'll get a goal probably the 50 minute mark and then the 55 minute mark five minutes later we'll get a second then we'll make the subs
1: and that's how I think I see it going Fair enough I'd have to agree with you Willie you got a final thought for the podcast? Yeah final thought my daughter drew this for me then it ten.
2: Nice picture of Rio Hotati. So, final oh, thought is that true. one proud dad sitting with that is going to get put on the Wii above my computer station at work.
1: 10 out of 10. Gotta love it. Well done. Yeah. Uh, my final thought is my god sister, thinking of you. Losing your dog that you've had for 15 years sucks. So, yeah, thinking of you. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. How, how?